Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. the boys in white and blue and also white and red and we are back for another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And I'm Navid Mashinshi. And we've got a two-part show for you tonight in the podcast Part one, we're going to look at Whitecaps and MLS. Part two, international flavour, the World Cup qualifiers, everything that happened with Canada and yeah, sitting pretty. We'll talk about that though shortly. But before we get into any of that, we're going to start with our gift that keeps on giving. The box of Steve Pander's 2011 Upper Deck MLS trading cards that he gave Zach and me for Christmas. We're opening a pack a week, we'll rattle through this week's pack, and from chatting before we recorded, some great news in Zach's pack, I'm delighted. Yeah, this is, I believe, pack 27 out of 36, and I have, I think Kirk is calling this the double pack, although I don't think it's all doubles, but we'll see. So, kick things off, who's your double? It's uh, a guy we know better as a Portland Timber, it's, I think, their first MLS captain. Jack Dewsbury, Sporting Kansas City. Oh, yes. I got him you in my things right, last week. Yeah. yeah. Actually, he might have been in my team at one point. I can't remember. Um, okay. Well, I've got a, a name you will know. But in this card, he was playing for the LA Galaxy. He's a defender. Sean Franklin. Oh, oh. I got him last week. Yeah, that's a good one. I uh, My second double of the night is in your starting 11, I believe playing center back for you it's colorado rapid former tfc marvel win oh i've got a white cap next although he's not wearing a white cap jersey good friend of former aftn writer aaron campbell he's a midfielder atiba harris oh that's a I great thought he was a forward he he well they call him a midfielder forward i think but because mm. he played wide on the wing a, a little bit he's from saint kitts Dude, he's not just yeah. from St. Michael, he's not just from St. Kitts. He was just elected to be the president of the football association in St. Kitts. No oh, way. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's been the big buzz. I knew he was going back and he had some plans for launching a team. Him and Aaron had spoken about launching a team and all this kind of stuff. So that's even better what oh, he's done I, now. 
Atiba Harris. I thought she said Aaron was a part uh, in charge. Oh. <laughs> Michael, I have a, a double that hopefully I can trade with you. I don't know if you have him because I don't want him. It's a flounder. He was a DP, I believe, for the midfielder. Alvaro Fernandez. I think I have him. Dang. Is he not in my team? Oh no! Those I'm who are like, listening like also have these cards. Yeah. I've got Tim Ream from New York Red Bulls. I got him. Uh, I got. I'm, I'm on double number four. It's a striker from the uh, Real Salt Lake Football Club. It's Alvaro Saborio. From I am so glad you're getting all these doubles. It makes me happy. Although the doubles that you've got, I also have, so we can't swap. So that's not great. A Dallas midfielder, Marvin Chavez. Oh, I don't think I have him. Um, I have a person who's new to me. But you have him, and he's in your starting 11. He would be in my starting 11. Now, I have 10 out of your 11 starting 11 cards. It's, I don't know what number he was wearing then, but it's, uh, I forget the name of his current club. It's in Finland. It's Kai Kamara. Oh, you probably can't pronounce his current club in Finland. Yeah, I would even try. I think you've got this. I'm not sure if I do. Chicago Fire midfielder Logan Paws. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. making a joke about dogs. Yeah. And uh, I saw him five out of six for doubles today. It's oh wow, Chivas USA's Giancarlo Maldonado. Oh well, my final card is actually a legend of the game. Oh, from Western New York Flash. She's a forward. She's a Brazilian. Oh, Marta. 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 Oh, nice. Wow. Very nice. It says. She was named FIFA's Women's World Player of the Year every year from 2006 through 2009. She gets nominated every single year as well. But that is our cards for, for this so, week. So a bit of information just to follow up. Uh, T.B. Harris won the presidency on August 29th. Yep. And uh, Kai Kamara plays for HIFK Football. Yeah, I was oh, gonna say I was gonna that say is easy to pronounce. I was gonna say HK, and then I was like, "That's not HK." Well, that's the fun part of the show over. Now we've got to talk about white caps, because I do. You remember years ago when they did this big push on social media about Fortress BC and no one's going to beat us at home, and then they lost and didn't win many games at home for a spell after that. So all the talk was about we're ten games undefeated. And I know they have to do this to sell tickets, and it's like, it's fine. It's because it's like, there's not been a lot to cheer about recently, so let's make the most of this. But of course, when you talk it up, is it going to be a living? Are they going to set a record for all time wins, home wins in a row, and all this kind of stuff? You're setting yourself up to fall, and they fell on Friday night at BC Place. A disappointing. 1-0, Cascadia Cup loss to Portland. I was wondering going into this, what kind of Portland Timber side were we going to see? Were we going to see the team that got absolutely gubbed at home by Seattle? Or the team that went to Seattle and came away with a surprising win? As it turned out, we didn't see either of those teams, really. They came away with a win. I don't think they were very good. N Naveed, just what's your overall thoughts of, of this one? So, yeah, flat performance, I think, from both teams, to be honest. I mean, it was an exciting game to watch, in my opinion. Could I think a point for both teams would be a well-deserved result. 
even though, I mean, at the end of the game, I think that that big chance to the Caps. Um, but either way, I mean, nothing exciting, to be honest. <laughs> Naveed, have you been reading my tweets? Yes. A flat performance. Like Perfect. That has well, lost its carbonation. I think I liked it too, did I? Didn't I? I don't well, know. Maybe you did. I, don't yeah, know. I, think I didn't was... read any of Twitter tonight. I was just I was busy writing stuff down for the, yeah. the show and putting things together at the game. No, Zag was spot on, but I mean, he perfectly described it. I mean, the fir- first half again was really disappointing and really flat. Second half was exciting. They showed some, some great flashes. What did you make of it all, Steve? Um, well, if you're going to describe it as a flat performance, the person who opened the can and left it aside was Vetti Sartini. Uh, with his lineup selection. Yeah, seriously, um, I, that was... I, I did not like that lineup at all. Um, mm. Basically, uh, a couple of things probably right off the bat. Casido should have been on the pitch right from the beginning. I'm not sure why he was left on the bench. And if you're going to bring a number 10 in, have him do number 10 stuff. Why is he like all... like He needs to be more centralized in order to... Uh, direct traffic, and I felt like he was sometimes lost on the wings uh, I, uh, too often. I agree. With, um, oh, sorry. Keep going, Steve. And uh, it's just it was just enough. Not nothing wide. The same thing with the homie. You put him in the middle, but he's dangerous on the wide areas, and you've basically neutralized him a little bit too. I just I, I'm not a huge fan of the the Christmas tree formation. Sure, it should maybe come once a, once a year or something, just like Christmas, but um, it shouldn't be there all the time. Well, it's a three four three start. Tonight, yeah. so that wasn't Christmas tree. Well, was a, the, the way tree. the way it was the way it was shown in the on Twitter it was shown in the Christmas tree in the lineup. So I, I kind of took it as that. On the broadcast, they called it a three four two one. Uh-huh. So again, very narrow at the top. Mm. I mean, the but, thing with Goldo, like in Portugal, if you look at his stats, he spent a lot of time out as a left winger. So he isn't just a ten. A lot of his play is up that left side. I, a couple of things of what Steve said. I, I agree about Caicedo. And I know, Michael, we were talking about this, I think, before or around last game about how he, you felt like he um, he didn't get the start because of the formation and, and yeah. better wide and as a good spark off the bench and whatever. But I, I think I think in this game, and, and maybe this is the opposite of what Steve was saying about about um, Dahomey, but I, I think... Uh, I think Caicedo is a player that could start in one of those, those the two spots or the wingers mm-hmm. of the of the three or whatever, and be more be both more narrow and occasionally go wide and still be effective in whether it's what they had tonight three four two one or or a Christmas tree. Like I think he can start narrow and expand a little bit um, because he he does bring so much creativity and and more maybe more importantly pace to their right. team. Yeah, if you- the, Sorry, thing. Zach, to interrupt, actually. if When you say they have those two narrow guys, and it makes totally sense, but I didn't understand why then Patrick Metcalf and Russell were then playing wide in the, yeah. the midfield. Mm-hmm. Like, no there's no there. speed anything. Uh, at that, I literally... There was a lot yeah. confusing tonight. Like, I, I was at the game, so I don't know what the commentary said about this, but in the second half, we were sitting, chatting, going, what is the formation? What on yeah. earth is on the pitch just now? And then... When this, the last subs came on and they're bringing on Leo and they're bringing on Daber, was that the last sub? That was the last sub. Uh-huh. No, yeah. no, uh, it was, uh, was it? it was, yeah, that was Diver. the last you're right. one. You're right, you're right. Um, Brown, and Cavalini, then, then. then it was like 
well, how on earth are you fitting this into the so team? What it was, was Baldy was supposed to drop into the, the back three like he did in that? Yeah, he was basically playing a, as a centre-back. Yeah, he was part of the three at the back now. Because uh, taking Godoy said. off to do that just seemed baffling to me. Like, why would you not just do a, a straight Baldy for Leo swap and then try and somehow tinker about with things to fit in the front four? Because they finished the game... Yeah with their best front four, a really attacking front four. And the, the the front four you really wanted on from the start. Well, yeah, they weren't going to get Cavallini up. He was probably not capable of playing a full 90 probably or Probably not. I would maybe have brought him on at the half, though, I think. But that's what I'm talking about. Like, Dahomey, uh, Gold, and uh, Casido behind White. I feel like that's they've had their best success at that. Yeah, sure, once in a while they might not have it. Or they might... Runs it a little, but overall, that's your where you're going to get most of your goals from. And the fact is, we've talked about it. Their midfield is not the strongest, and then they put four central midfield. Yeah, it was yeah. very. Odd. It was a very it's young very midfield odd. as well. It's like young guys, rusty. Huh. No, I, I felt like great. I felt like Bickle was pretty good in the middle. It was good to have yeah. him back in the middle. But I agree with I agree with Naveed that there was a real lack of pace wide. Yeah. The, the, the other thing, which maybe we could talk about more later or whatever, but. One of the things I was concerned about in, I think it was the last game, is I th- I think what's slowly starting to happen is with Ryan Gold scoring so many goals, it feels like they're looking for him a little bit. And again, maybe not tonight so as much, but definitely in the last game, they're looking for him to like get on the end of something to, mm-hmm. s- to score as opposed to being like the guy the ball goes to uh-huh. to create, which I know he can do both. I, I don't get me wrong. I just think they should probably do more of the of that former and, and do the latter as the secondary. You know what I mean? Like try and allow them to create and then maybe look for him to get on the end of something first where I think those things have been inverted uh-huh. uh, a little bit. But I- Yeah, because like... I, I listened to the post-game show coming home. I, I listened to Vanny's scrum driving home, and then I listened to the the post-game show, and Vanny was in that. So Colin Miller asked him about Ryan Gold tonight and touched on what Steve said as well. He's like, where, where do you see him? Do you see him as a number 10? Do you see him out wide? And Vanny said, well, he can be a 10 if you want to call that, or he can be an inverted winger uh, or an inside winger, whatever you you want to call it. And then he he felt Ryan Gold had a good game tonight and that everything they created went through him. And then Colin threw the start. Well, he only had 74% completed passes. But at the same time, that's not necessarily on Ryan Gold because if he's no. trying to make a pass and someone's not running into where he's making it, it goes against him. I, I thought he was lively tonight. It definitely wasn't his best game. Diver Caicedo, when he came on, had a spark about him. And Christian Dahomey in that first half was invisible. But then after half time, Christian Dahomey was all over the pitch and fantastic. It was it's just baffling. Uh, I, I feel like if you're gonna have Diver as a spark, don't wait till the seventieth minute to put mm. him on. Get him on earlier. Like I don't understand uh well I don't really understand, but I can like they put Brown on earlier. I would have preferred uh, diver to be on the first guy and then wait for Brown to bring him on later on or bring both of them on at the same time. Well, I talk about the subs actually in general, I, I find this quite 
irritating and it could really have backfired and you could maybe say it did backfire. So you bring on Javain Brown in the 54th minute. Then you bring Kava or in the 62nd. Both single-use substitutions. So there's two of your three windows gone. So it's like you're either going to make two or three subs in your last window and in the end they made two. And at one point, they they had Leo Wusso ready to come on and then they got him to put his penny back on and sit down and it looked like they were just going to bring Diver on and then Vanny seemed to have another change of heart and he got Leo up to, to come on as well. Diber hadn't even been warming up for the start of the second half and we we're like, is he going to come on? What, what on earth's uh-huh. up? So, I mean, the plan had obviously been to bring him on late. But I think if you're going to make that Javain Brown substitution, you, you either make it at half time or you bring him and Cava on at the same time so that you've used that one window. Because if we'd had an injury after yeah. we'd brought Cava on, we were screwed then because what, what were we going to do? Yeah, the only way the only way they were getting another sub on was with con- concussion protocol. Yeah. And you can't, obviously you can't bank on that. Oh, you could whack someone in the head just in the hope of getting that, but that's probably frowned upon in this day and age. I, I just, I find it so baffling. Like, last week was baffling, and it worked. And, huh. I mean, it could have, they could have salvaged a point from this. Easily, they could have salvaged a point and had chances down the down the stretch, but I, I don't know. I mean, I asked Fanny last week, does he like to mix things up and have all this? And he's like, no, no, no. But that's two weeks in a row. So yeah. either he's just trying to throw things and see what happens, or he's trying to confuse the opposition. I I don't know. But the four the... midfielders, like Steve said, having four central midfielders in the four didn't make any. I like yeah. I don't I don't know. I really I'm curious to see what he was thinking. Like the... I mean, he, he moved away from what was working as well. I mean, mm-hmm. we yeah. touched on it on last week's show, Steve. We said, well, you maybe go three at back, three five two. I didn't expect for a minute three four three three four two yeah. one whatever you want to call it. And the thing is, last week made a, the difference between last week and this week was you have a expansion team that is kind of you know here and there. You never know mm-hmm. what you're going to expect from them, so you can take advantage of confusing them. Whereas Portland's an established team, yeah, that yeah. has established players across the pitch that can handle uh, when you throw things at them and. I felt like the, their own team was more confused than Portland was by the. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we look at the first half, Portland were the better side for, for me, but there wasn't any, there wasn't lots of clear cut chances. I guess Portland had a couple because Felipe Mora blasted oh. over from a good position yeah. five oh. minutes in. And then, how did, he miss, how did he miss that? Oh. He missed that. He, and he then Esprilla. Um, on a counter-attack? Off oh, a, that was it, yeah. The quick counter a, from the yeah, corner? He, he, he had a free header in the box. He just couldn't get oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really... It was like that was like the give-and-go, right? With Blanco at wide? I, I believe so, you're right. Yeah, that that was a really a really quality chance that he just mm-hmm. couldn't the power on the header. But the, the Mora miss was, yeah. like, shocking. Was, yeah. I, I've got to say I was disappointed in Portland. Defensively, they were organised... But their attack, I mean, we've seen Portland the last couple of years. But, they're such an exciting attack, and they just yeah. did not have but, that tonight. But but they've kind of re... Since they lost to Portland... Uh, sorry, since they lost to Austin 3-1, and then, uh, like, two games before that, they, they, they got drought device at Seattle 6-2. They've gone on a... Uh, like, basically, the three games... The last three games, they have clean sheets. 
And oh. the last 60 minutes of Portland, they had uh, they didn't allow a goal. So that's essentially uh, more more than three and a half games. They haven't allowed a goal. So they're kind of kind of probably after giving up so many goals, they're probably kind of reestablishing mm. their ability to play defense, knowing that that's a big weakness because their biggest weakness on the pitch is Stephen Clark. Like if yeah. you get shots yeah. on him, yeah. you're going to score goals. And they didn't. The the problem is the Whitecaps. Their best shot was stopped by uh, Bravo. Yeah, off the line. Yeah. So th- yeah, that's about it. There was a couple of corners the Whitecaps hit in the second half. I don't know if you guys picked this up. Clark was about five yards off his line. Yeah, and it's like you just need a looping header or something, and it's like over him. He's, yeah, a, he's, not, a, he's dodgy. not a good keeper. Yeah, mm. dodgy, dodgy keeper. Uh, the one I know he's been playing less, and he's getting older, and all that kind of stuff. And he wasn't unavailable tonight or whatever. Yeah, he had a sprain tonight. Portland is a different side without Diego Valeri. Like, yeah. He well, hasn't he had hasn't a great playing? season. Yeah, no. what's the deal with him? He hasn't been playing lately. No, you know, like he'd been was... on the bench and he hasn't featured that much. And he nearly left and then he signed this deal to stay. I would not be surprised if he ends up going back to South America or something if he's although, not getting playing time. Although at the end well, of the game, it seemed like Blake Price was awarding the game of the uh, player of the game to Diego Valeri. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounded like, I rewinded a couple of times, it sounded like he was giving it to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Portland had all the the best of the few chances that they were in the first half. The Whitecaps' best chance came in the final minute, forty fifth minute. Christian Dahomey, the only real thing he did in the first half, he sent Ryan Gold free and goal. Well, not really free and goal, but sent sprung him forward, and Gold just couldn't really get a, a decent shot off. I mean, that was the Whitecaps' best chance. Possession um, in the first half was. 50-50, shots were 76 for Portland. Yeah, I, I would say they weren't the best chances, but they did have a couple of flicks on that from Brian White um, around the 40th minute mark, basically. But they, but it wasn't... I, I Essentially, if it was a better striker, more talented striker, they probably would have been more dangerous. But yeah. At least they got something on goal at those points. Yeah, White had a, another poor game. That, that was genuinely why I thought get Cava on to start the second half because oh, yeah. at least it would have some spark. But then we've seen what happens in the second half and White's got his goals. I mean, I don't want to go through this all over again because we've talked about it a lot in the vid. Yeah. But no first-half goals again. They've only got six first-half goals all season. Yeah, it's probably one of those things for the whole season this year. I don't know. I don't know if it they, they, it's mind-blogging. Really, I have no idea how they... Whatever they, I mean, I'm sure they've tried to change maybe their warm-ups, whatever they're doing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, as a guy that's played at a high level, you've played pro, it's, like, is it, does it just get in your mind by that point? Maybe it gets into your head at some point, but, but still, I mean, if, even if it gets to your head, you would even be even more ready to actually be fired up from the get-go because, I mean, it's in your head. You should be like, you should know, I mean... We can't have it, another poor first half performance. It, has, it's, it seems it's like weird. They're, too, they're they're scared of giving up a goal, and thus they're not really pushing mm. forward. And but they're still not good enough defensively to stop that goal from going in. So it's kind yeah. of like like you're you're trying to you're you're giving up something by in order to maintain a scoreless or get, keep the other team off the sheet. But well, you're Va- still not doing it. Vanny was asked post game on the radio about it. And he was also asked in the scrum as well, but he didn't he didn't give this answer in the scrum, but he gave it on the radio. 
he said that it's maybe time that the Whitecaps need to start having some self-belief, that they're mm. not a little team, that they're a team that can go toe-to-toe <laughs> with everyone. And he he feels that they maybe try and shut up shop too much, as Steve said, that they're worried about giving up that first goal to the extent that they then don't open up. I don't know if that's maybe something that MDS drilled into them. Look, you can't give up this first goal. You've got to be tight in that first half. And they just can't open up and get out of it. I I don't know. But, I mean, the, the difference, again, between first and second half, it's just it's mind-blowing how different it is. Uh-huh. And if it was once every few games, you'd be like, okay, every game? I mean, the, I, I said to Homie in that second half, different player, all of a sudden had this light about him and just life and... I, I jotted some things down here. 50th minute, there was a lovely corner to the back post that was then kind of like lobbed into the towards the goal line. It was like a kind of Hail Mary last second pass in, in NFL where everyone's just going up to try and, uh-huh. and catch the ball in the end zone and no one got to it. And then White had a penalty shout, which would have been very soft if it was uh-huh. given, I think. And then... The homie threw himself to the ground trying to get a penalty. That was never going to happen. But, I mean, they started off that second half strong. And I nearly tweeted out, and something in my head said, I wouldn't do that because that's going to come back and bite you in the ass. I was going to tweet out, Portland looked gash in this half. Scottish phrase for being terrible. Um, there's only one team going to score in this half, and that's the Whitecaps. And I thought, no, I wouldn't do that. And then three minutes later, Portland took the lead. So, yeah. Well, the Whitecaps did score. Actually. Yeah, they well, did. that's true. They actually, yes. Right. I saw. I, oh, you would find out, but that's man, I should have done that because technically I was right. Now yeah. let us get to the only goal of the game, the deciding goal. I haven't looked to see what is created. I'm assuming it's down as a Ranko own goal. Not initially by MLS. MLS really? Initially gave it to yes. Initially gave I can't. I think if they gave it to Mora initially. Oh. And then they switched it. I, I actually saw it on the feed when they actually it switched to Renko own goal. So it took them, it took them about three, four, or five minutes before. They at least they, at least they got it right now because there's no way that was a. That was that, they shouldn't even have got it. They shouldn't have got it wrong in the first place. That was so obviously yeah. own goal. To be fair, though, I thought it was a quality goal. Then Blanco, nice ball. Yeah, I mean he did well. The ball yeah. to him as well. Exactly. They crossed him at the back post. He did everything right. Yeah. I, I think he had meant to put it in for Chara. And he just hit it a yeah. little bit past Chara, and of course Ranko yeah. there. Now, no, I, it was it wasn't going in the net either. Oh it no, was, it wasn't. Were seeing, uh, on the bro- and yeah, the, the broadcast, broadcast right? Right? Dolan, yeah, Dolan said it was going yeah. in. It was yeah. never going. It in. was not going in. Now, I, I've never played defence, so I don't know if I'm being harsh in this. But I was having a a discussion with somebody, and they were saying first thing you're taught as a defender is you do not defend those types of balls facing the goal. But could he have could he have got ahead and turned round? I, I don't know that he could have. It happened so quick. Well, let's reverse back to the cross that went in the, in, into the into the Blanco. That should never have happened. Right. That's another uh if it's zonal marking that was going on, that's a, a, another direct effect of zonal marking. Yeah, I know that's a, that's a big bugbear of yours. Nobody was on 
a Blanco. Like Blanco's the only one in the box. So when there's only one player in the box, there's no need for zonal marking. Just get in front of that guy and don't let him get the ball on his foot. So in those kind of situations, that's where you throw the, you know, the plan out the window and just hold on, like get in front of the guy. Like there was two players that could have easily got in front of Blanco and neither one did. No, yeah, just too much space. So, when you're playing time, three at the back as well, zonal marking is really hard to pull off. Right. I, I'm, I've just put the, the game back on just, just now while we're talking, just to watch the the goal back again. I'm trying to see was where... It, that flow? Was. was that flow? There, it, was to... t- it was Tiber. It was Tiber. Back, but, and, and there was another, play, another center back. I think it might have been... Flow on the yeah, flow was in the middle, so the ball goes over their heads. Rusty tries to jump, but he can't get to it. I'm just trying to watch. Oh, because initially Godoy's closing into to Blanco, and then Blanco chips it in. Rusty just misses the header, which I don't don't think he could fault on Rusty there. But yeah, and then then the shot. But he they had they had opportunity. But they had opportunities to get in front of him to make it difficult for him to get on the ball. There was plenty of opportunity during that whole setup. Yeah, yeah. R- Rusty got megged on the on the hit from Mora. And I like just looking at, at Ranko. I I don't know that he had any time to turn around and and face the play, because he was trying. He he put his arm out to try and push Chara off a little bit. So, I I I don't know. I think a lot of centre backs may have turned that into the net, but at the same time in saying that, I do think he should at least have got a foot on it to stop it, and then you're hoping that your goalkeeper then smothers it. But I mean, it was... But dis- I feel like he directed it Maybe into it was the a net. Re- re- flex or yeah, I, I'm just... I, I'm, I just I, I, it might have been... I, I'm watching a different angle the thing is, here. If he just, oh, he did. He did. If he... If he just um, like got in front of his... the I think it was Chara, like you said... And just shadowed him off. There, was, the ball was going right across the box. There was it wasn't even going into the net at all. So I don't yeah. know. That, I, that, that's like yeah. If he had just left it, that was running past. Uh, yeah. I, I just I just feel like it's one of the uh, the poorest own goals you could give I, up. In the, I also can't tell. Did he hit it with his right foot or his that left thing foot? Was right foot. Because that's the other thing is if he hits it with his left foot, he didn't even hit it properly. He he didn't even hit it properly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's right footed. So if he, if he if he had used his left foot, I think it doesn't go in. Yeah, I mean, I, oh. I, I feel for the lad because it's obviously not his first own goal of the season. And he's had some up and down games and then he was dropped last week and then he comes back in in a back three and then that happens. I thought he would have been the guy that they would have taken off, actually. I was surprised it was yeah. Godoy. Yeah. Whether maybe Godoy was having some fitness things or not, I don't know. But for me, Ranko would have been the guy to, to, to take off it in that moment. His other own... It's a very good, very good assumption that Godoy would have fitness. <laughs> the other, the other, his other own goal was with his head, though, right? Yeah, Not his right foot. Yeah, but I was when he came on uh, as the sub, and had a very unfortunate first touch. But I mean, that was midway through the second half. I was still confident the Whitecaps were going to get a goal just with the way that they were playing, and I mean they had chances. Like when Caicedo came on, he had a few like looks at goal. The the best one was, I think, Caicedo did everything right to get the shot off, and then Bravo just basically stops it on the line. It had got past Clark, 
Yeah. A couple of things in that. First of all, great shot, great work by Caicedo, good move by the Whitecaps to set it up. But that was fantastic defending by Bravo. Right. I know you could also argue it's just in the right place at the right time, but I you've think, got to get think, in that place. Yeah, but I, I think, think again, the, the Whitecaps, nobody followed up on the shot either. Like when you see this shot coming towards, nobody's moving towards it. Again, they're just ball watching, uh, assuming that the ball will either be saved or go wide or whatever. To quote a wise man, Michael, it's called the proper place at the proper time. Yes. Which is something which maybe the Whitecaps defenders haven't done at the, the best of times. I mean, after that, there was a, a couple of other half chances. As the game ticked down, you're starting to think, oh, I'll just take a point here. And I mean, let, let's be honest. This was a game that they could not afford to, to drop all three points in. Dropping two would have been bad enough, but coming from behind, you would have, you'd have taken a point at, at the end. But to lose all three potentially is massive. Now, they had an opportunity in stoppage time. They, they had a big kind of scramble. Gold had a, a shot that was then... Well, Cavallini heads it, Gold gets it, Clark saves, and then the follow-up shot by, well, it's a shot stroke cross by Ranko. It was just so piss poor. Yeah, it wasn't even a shot. It was, no. I don't think it registered as a shot. I, I think he was trying to do a cross, but he should have cut it back, or I don't know what. I mean, I'd, Gold maybe could have done better, but I mean, he first timed it. It was a good save by Clark. It was just that, that was a big, big opportunity. But again, Ranko getting forward well. It was I think it was actually Ranko that sent the, the cross into the box to, to begin with that set that move up. But I mean, overall, a 1-0 defeat. I mean, to be huge honest, points. Uh, huge points, right? But maybe it's even good to kind of start from zero. Maybe this whole winless, uh, I mean, this whole runoff games uh, that they haven't lost, maybe it got into, the, into their head too. And maybe yeah, it's good I'll... to start from zero again. Eventually, it, it, no, was no. Gonna, it was going to end eventually. It has to end eventually. I mean, it, it had to go thing. at some point. But it it's like you, at some point. You want to keep that going. You want to I keep know, that home. I know, but sometimes... They're going to is... Colorado next week, and it's like, to me, oh, I don't okay. see them getting <laughs> yeah, anything from right. that. That no. would have been... I'd have been fine for it to end. Yeah, yeah that's true. true. True, yeah. But I mean, the, the one thing that we know, because we're recording this part on Friday night, I'll do a little insert on how the game's going on Saturday later on in the pod. But the one thing we can be sure about is the Whitecaps are definitely not going to be in a playoff spot by the end of this weekend. Portland now have moved four points ahead of them. And that shows you how massive this was. If the Whitecaps had won tonight, I think it was almost certain, looking at the other fixtures, that the they would have finished the, the weekend in, in the playoff places. You've got to take these points at home. And there's a couple of... The next two home games are massive. You've got FC Dallas and you've got San Jose. They're both must-wins. They're both six-pointers. I I feel this was as well, but a point wouldn't have been the end of the world because Portland are a good team. They're just going through a bit of a bad spell. How how bad do you feel this puts them? What, what bad situation do you feel this puts them in, Zach? I, I, honestly, Michael, I don't think it's that bad. To, uh. to be I mean, it's it's really bad for the Cascadia Cup. 
But in terms of the, the, the league table and trying to make the playoffs, I, it, this doesn't have to be the end of the world. I think this can be just a blip for them, and, and it can, like you said, or like Navid said, get on a roll again. Like, I think Vanny and the players will take some lessons from this and move forward. I, I know in striving to get a playoff position, you want to just spend as much time as you can above the line, but I really think this is about confidence. And I think over these last 10 games or 11 yeah. games or whatever, they've built, they've been building their confidence. And I don't think this is going to dent it hugely. It's obviously, no, I, I don't think it will dent confidence, but it, it's a big, big hit to the points that they need. Now I, I agree with Zach there. I, I don't think I like for me, it's not really, uh, it should, or, it, yeah. the, the fact that they, they were missing still with some of their starters and 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 the lineup they had and everything like that, I, I think they can chalk that up to those things. Like confidence wise, if you bring if you get all your regular starters back, Javine Brown back in the lineup, you get uh, Lucas Cavallini as a starter uh, for from the start or whatever, and then you can bring back Christian Gutierrez and put in Diver again. I think Christian Gutierrez has, has been missing from this team for a too long a time, and yeah. bringing yeah, him back, it, lo- well, it looked like he was set to. To come back into things, I don't know what's happened. I think yeah. maybe they wanted to take it easy, maybe, and they just got to keep everybody healthy in training. Really, <laughs> they got to stop getting these training injuries that always keep to mess up with the lineup. Brown was like I said, Brown was another breath of fresh air when he came on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did Brown play for Jamaica the last couple? Like, did he no, play? He or only did? got a couple of minutes in their first game, and that was it. Yeah. And it was of his wow. own accord. Yeah. yeah. Now. As much as that loss to Portland could be very important come the end of this season, it's actually been not that bad a weekend in in terms of other results for the Whitecaps. So just to rattle through the results in the Western Conference, all the other games that we're going to cover were played on Saturday. Colorado and LA Galaxy drew one all. That doesn't really affect the Whitecaps that much. Seattle beat Minnesota 1-0. Lone goal coming in the first half in that one. And that's a big win for the Whitecaps because it keeps Minnesota down there. The big game of the weekend, from a Whitecaps point of view, Dallas were at home to San Jose. San Jose took an early lead in this one from the spot. Dallas tied it up in the second half. It finished one all. Dallas will be wondering how they didn't come away with that with three points. But a share of the points there, massive result in terms of the, the Whitecaps' playoff chances. Houston beat Austin 3-0. That one doesn't really matter too much as well. Both those teams down the bottom, quite a bit behind the Whitecaps just now. And Sporting Kansas City, in a kind of rare late-season cross-conference clash, beat Chicago 2-0. Both those goals coming in the first six minutes. There's one game still to come on Sunday. LAFC are at home to RSL. And that is another important one for the Whitecaps when we look at the current standings in the West. The top four continue to have a a bit of a big gap between them and the chasing pack. The the lead changed a couple of times over the, the course of the weekend. Colorado at one point were top. But the standings on Saturday night, when I'm recording this little piece, currently is Seattle top on 45, Kansas City second on 43, Colorado 3rd and 42, LA Galaxy 4th on 37, Portland with that win over Vancouver move up to 5th on 33 points, 
Minnesota 6th now on 31. And Salt Lake, with this game still at play against LAFC, in the 7th and final playoff spot now on 30 points. You've then got the Whitecaps one point below that, one point below the playoff line on 29. LAFC on 27, so they could leapfrog the the Whitecaps depending on how they get on against RSL. In some ways, that would be the better result for the Whitecaps because it's going to keep a couple of teams within a point of them. You've then got San Jose in 10th on 27, Dallas 11th on 26, showing again how big these games coming up against these two teams, the next two home games that the Whitecaps will be playing. Houston, the team sandwiched in between those two games on 12th and 22 points. And Austin, still bringing up the rear on 19. So, I mean, one one thing we can look at is Colorado's coming up next Sunday. Now, before the Whitecaps play there, some of the teams in and around them have played three matches because there's games on Saturday, there's games midweek, and then other teams will have played the Saturday before that. So at least they'll, they'll know what they need to do. Colorado's just in such good form just now. But looking at the next lot of Whitecaps fixtures, it's Colorado away. And then for me, the three games after that is make or break for their season. It's home to Dallas, away to Houston, home to San Jose. You've got to be looking at nine points from those. Oh, I don't think they can get in three wins in a row. <laughs> The thing is, the, th- the thing is, is like you're you're already writing off the Colorado game. Yeah. I understand Colorado is doing really good, but there's always a chance for a banana peel uh, uh, for the Whitecaps being the banana peel for for Colorado. Oh yeah, they've done they've done it in the past. Yeah. Um, we don't know what Colorado's lineup gonna. Maybe they take think they can take it easy, um, and and because they do have to play Portland midweek uh, before they have to uh, travel up to Portland as well. So there is always a chance that they're going to see the Portland game as the more important one on the road and try to think they can easily take advantage of Vancouver on the road. Well, home. hopefully they think that way because it'd be nice if they can beat Portland as well because a Portland win on that one would also not be... Yeah, exactly. Be. So th- it, it, we don't know how it's going to run up until then. So I, I'm not going to write off the Colorado game. These are the kind of games in the past that Whitecaps teams tend to win because nobody's expecting them to win. Because... The reason I said about those three games that I feel they must win is because the three games after that is Seattle away, home yeah, to Kansas uh, City, who are going through a bit up and down, especially on the roads, and then away to Portland. And it's like, yikes. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Uh, I mean, just looking at it, I mean, even, I mean, I know Houston is what their last, yeah, their last. Um, Second to last, last. It's tough playing in Texas always as well. And, yeah. I mean, not easy, that's for sure. But but it's not the summer. <laughs> that's true. Isn't it just always hot there? I don't know. <laughs> but again, like you said, like the games after those three games, yeah. I mean, you have Seattle, Kansas, Portland. That's going to be... Yeah, might as well actually put go all the way in for those three uh, games. <laughs> uh, the Athletic actually had an article uh, for the playoff push kind of thing. And uh, the Whitecaps uh, um, over the re- remainder of the season... Have the their opponents have the higher wins points per game? Them in Minnesota, what one point four four? So they, based on that, they probably do have the hardest schedule of all the teams pushing for the playoffs. <sighs> got got to make those home points and those home games count, and sadly they didn't tonight. But that's it for our Whitecaps talk for this episode. 
We're going to be back talking the Canadian national team next. But before that, let's hear from this month's Artist of the Month here at AFTN, from Edinburgh, Scotland, Word SOS. And this episode, we're going back to an album that he released with his good friend Dico back in May of this year. 12 years since the pair had brought out their last album together and the two Edinburgh-based MCs returned with an album called Sorry We Were Missed. We've played a couple of songs from that album earlier in the year when the album came out. We played Push Forward and Edinburgh, both of which were released as a double music video which you can find on YouTube. Sorry We Were Missed is a 13-track album. This is the second track from it. And we're going to play it in full for you this episode. This is Just Us. Songs made 
Only want a feature Some will ditch us just to see our response And some will get caught in the middle While others gravitate towards the spotlight But don't wanna share it like Beth Dillo They'll distract you with their music videos I want songs watching with their arms Like they're drowning in swimming pools In my opinion lots of rap battles are weak Will someone tell them it'd sound a lot better on beats? See I came to annul music And they asked why Why would you want to rap when some of the best ones die? I said why wouldn't you want to be with the best of all time? When I heard going back to Cali I had tears in my eyes See there's not a question on whether we write If this is in real time If this is our real life If ever we're out our minds Whenever we're on the mic Out of spite Redefine whatever they call life Word SOS and Deco there, just us, taken from their May 2021 album, Sorry We Were Missed. You can check out all of Word's stuff on Bandcamp, word.bandcamp.com. Lots of good stuff on there, some free downloads as well if you want to check out some stuff and just get used to his work. And if you like it, please support him, buy some of his other albums. You can buy it on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple, everywhere that you would buy your music these days. So let's get back to the football chat now. And we're moving away from the Whitecaps. We're moving away from MLS and club football. We're going to turn our attention to the international stage. Because the World Cup qualifiers, the first lot of the octagon, they're all in the history books now. And Canada got off to a fantastic start in their first three games. Could have been better. Five points from their their three games. Undefeated through the, the three games. I'd have been expecting six. We'd have been delighted with seven. Still disappointed that we let that Honduras one slide away. But, I mean, Wednesday's results were, were very dramatic. We'll, we'll start by looking at Canada and El Salvador. Oh. Just, but what's your overall thoughts on it, Zach? Just how that game played out, how these first three games have gone, and where Canada's sitting just now. Where Where are you guys sitting? Where are we on, sitting? On the On the plane to Qatar. Where are you guys? Do you have your seats? Oh, um, <laughs> I, you're that confident. You're that. I, I right now, Scotland and Canada. Canada, for some weird reason I've pronounced them. (laughs) Scotland and Canada are in really good positions to make Qatar, which makes it really hard for me not to go. But I don't think I'll survive there. Obviously, I'm I'm joking. I I, I haven't booked any any kind of tickets yet. But um... come come see AFT and travel. Um, (laughs) I get Jeff good flights all the time. So. Oh my! Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I agree with you. It's weird the way everything played out because, like we talked about before, that the game against Honduras was discouraging and and concerning, um, and the, then the result against the Americans was encouraging, and then I think the result against Honduras I think has a little bit of both in it. To be honest, mm-hmm. it's encouraging that they got the, the result. It's encouraging. Uh, that they got the clean sheet. It's encouraging that I think most players escaped without injury, despite the uh, various instances of. Uh, oh yes, of, we'll, of, we'll come to some of those. Evidence of 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 what happens when there's no VAR, and um, uh, but I think the discouraging side is is the goal difference. The goal difference needed to yeah. be much more in that game, but 
Yeah. No, I mean, all, all in all, I, I can't complain. After three matches, undefeated, five points, and what, I was second, right? Second, yep. yeah. Well, so you, you, it's hard to complain. But I'm sure we'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> Navid, are you confident? What, what's your feelings after these first three games? Um, well, actually, I didn't get a chance to watch a game. It was weird. I, I mean, US brought, shows a lot of these, these games. Oh, of but course. US... I'm, I'm forgetting, of course, that you're down in Sacramento, yeah, yeah. so you won't, you won't have Canada. Yeah, just I, I, I didn't have... No, no, but I, I watched the highlights. Oh, I should have given I mean, you my one soccer login. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, next time. Um, well, the first 20... I just saw the highlights. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, yeah, allegedly yeah, give yeah. me my one soccer login. <laughs> oh, but... Uh, I mean, the highlights, I'm sure the first 20 minutes looked like a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, were... I, I was working and I'd, yeah. I had said to Zach, I'm just going to watch it all on delay um, right. and I'll be about a half behind. But then I'm sitting at work and I thought, ah, I'll stick on the, the first 10 minutes, just I'll use my data on my phone to watch it. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I just love the energy that John Hurtman puts on the sideline. He is on fire sometimes. Like, he is... Uh, that looked pretty decent, but um, yeah, overall, he had a, I mean, a nice little dig in the post game as well when he was asked oh, yeah. how his players did. He and he said, "Oh, I mean, it's good. None, none of our players went on any little adventures uh, around <laughs> Toronto." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, but um, yeah, we'll, we need to talk about that in a moment. Yeah, we will. <laughs> no, overall, it looks encouraging. Of course, I mean, as, as Zach said, um, I mean, the first game, I can only echo that. Kind of got worried, but uh, American performance against the U.S. looked yeah. was pretty good and uh, good to see the win. Obviously, in the last game, I was actually more focusing on the U.S. and they are up and down. You don't know what. Oh, to get I was that. so delighted at one point. All my fun stopped after. I know. It was, it was half time. I nipped down to save on foods to get some bread and milk. I came back and it was one all, and then it all went shit after. Yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> uh, like Steve, I've saved you to last. Because I know what Canada does to you. Yeah, I was way more relaxed by the you know the uh, the second goal. I was fine. So, so you, or, you were out. You were out of the fetal position. Yeah, I was. Hey, that's I was, nice. Uh, and eleven minutes in, and you can enjoy the game. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for all the time. I don't want to wait till the you know the 80th minute. I don't need no drama. <laughs> Just get the goals early and let me enjoy the game. Um, I I like this game was ideal. That's this is the way you kind of wish that they had you know started up against Honduras. Yeah. Um, in the first game, uh, and they were on the front foot the whole, you know, uh, especially at the start. And it felt like that the that that U.S. game, while it you know it ended up being a draw, it gave them even more confidence and uh, to push forward in this game. And you think of it, that it wasn't even their full lineup um, in, mm. in this game, so the they, they could even hit, uh, probably hit them more, and they should have probably scored more than three goals. They had a lot more yeah. opportunity to to even make the game wider. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it was a great start. It's the mm. kind of start we just talked about white caps in this slow first half. They should just be made to watch this and go, you know, this is what we want you guys to do and how we want you to move the ball. And you should ask. You should ask Max and and Kavalin, Kava about it. <laughs> that's actually a, that's a good one. I might just do that. Uh Kava might be an interesting answer if I ask him that. Um. Well, we'll maybe try and get that for, for next week's show. Let, let's talk about something that, that Zach mentioned there. So, I mean, it finished 3-0, and it should have been more. And it probably could have been more if El Salvador had been reduced by at least one, maybe two red cards in the first 20 minutes. 
I'll state now, I like games with no VAR. I I would prefer all games not to have VAR because I just like human error and the chaos that comes with it. That said, if VAR had been in play here, definitely the stamp on Tejon, who was singled out for so much attention, and at some point he was going to snap, and of course he did, and picks up a booking for it. But, I mean, Zach, those those things flying in, in front of the linesman as well. Yeah. CONCACAF World Cup qualifying is is proof of of one of the reasons why VAR is valuable beyond trying to get goals right and wrong. Like, you, you saw how it changed. I, I forget who it was. Someone texted me about, like, how dirty the game is. Like, it's so dirty. There's, there's so much going on in, the, in this game that is, like, uncalled for. It would not happen if they knew that everyone watching, you know, those watching would be able to do something about it. Because yeah. you're right. I mean, the one kind of sort of extra little step on or, you know, sliding down the, the side of his side that led, you know, led to the second goal. I mean, like, that 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 doesn't happen if there's VAR. It just doesn't happen. It's the, It was El Salvador just taking advantage of the of no VAR. So I, I I don't I don't take away from your desire to have the human error and stuff, Michael, and the traditional. Stuff. I don't. I'm not against that, but in Concacaf World Cup qualifying, VAR serves a, a greater purpose in my in yeah. my opinion. Canada just needs to learn to do all these things as well then to to get their own back, which you feel they might need to do in some of these uh, away games. Um, the, the thing is though. Uh... In a way, they won three nil, so it didn't affect them too much. I'm glad the red cards didn't come out because then that would have just weakened El Salvador in their next game against Panama. And you want mm. El Salvador to be at the strongest, so to maybe take that's a, to that's a good that's a, an important perspective. Yeah, it is yeah. actually. I'm 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 more forgiving if they're able to do something to Panama. I'm just I'll just be happy if Eric Zavaleta gets to play against Panama. <laughs> I mean, El, El Salvador, I expected a little bit more from them. And they, they had, to, like, towards the end of the first half, they were starting to come back into the game. And they had a, a couple of half chances, really. But, I mean, Canada was was in command from, from start to finish. Yeah, more than three would have been fantastic for goal difference because you do feel it could come down to that because teams are taking points off, off each other left, right and centre. We'll get to that in a sec. I'll just play a little bit of audio just now from after the match from a very delighted John Herdman. It's it's what the team promised. They internally we we wanted to start there at the same attacking intensity that they finished against Honduras. So we knew El Salvador they had a a really um, gutsy defence and and uh, the longer they were able to stay in the game, the tougher it would get for us. We knew that. So the you know the plan was to get right on the front foot and to to give that, that that intensity to every part of our attacking. So really proud of the lads the way they they took that on. They were able to silence the the crowd. I mean they were booed at home coming <laughs> coming off the bus, which I think fired them up a little bit. It was um, it was just one of those starts we knew we we had to hit this team hard and had to hit it early and. Everything pretty much inspired from, you know, just carrying on that, that performance from Honduras. You are learning that there are dark arts here in, in the games in CONCACAF. It's 
it's part of the uh, the style. I mean that that team are it's a big part of how they play. They they have a high pressing system, high intensity players, but by breaking the game up constantly, they're able to quickly regenerate, recover, and then go again. So we knew that was was part of it. We said embrace it, embrace all of that. But the bit that, that that's important for us is when one guy goes down, all eleven are in. And that's that's one thing we've said with Canada. You know, there's never a man alone. And you'll see that every single time. That's what we've changed here. And and I'm not asking them to step down from that. You know, I think I felt for Tejon because I was saying to the fourth official, that was the fifth time he'd been hit and they hadn't issued a yellow. And then Tejon gets a yellow for reacting. I mean, the, 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 kid, the kid was able to withstand sort of five and then a stamp on his ribs. Um, so it was just, it is what it is. I think, we're enjoying that part of it, you know, being able to show, you know, in, in those moments that we'll always be together. And I think that's that's what teams know. They're up against 11 guys in, in every moment. Yeah, there's been, there's been growth. And like I say, if you go, <laughs> if you get into the first day of training when you're bringing guys that haven't played together for some of them for eight, nine weeks and you've only got two two sessions uh, to bring them together. One thing that's clear is the foundation of trust. The culture is strong and, and we will bounce back from tough moments. I think that's, that's something that doesn't change. When we reconnect, we set the values. They created a new code of the shirt for this, this 14 game campaign. The leaders presented that and that's our foundation. You know, we had no COVID cases. Players are dialed in. They're ready to fight for each other. And that's that's the foundation I think all success will be built on. And then we've seen the tactical shifts. You know, tonight they were able to start in that 4-4-2 high pressing. And then you've seen El Salvador started there to get control and adapt their structure. So we were adapting again with a 5-3-2. And the players have, have had this experience together, either through June and the Gold Cup, that we can adapt in games and, and not get caught in long uh, periods where we're losing momentum that lead to you know poor outcomes like goals conceded so I think that was real growth tonight we shifted structure you know three four times um, and the players were pretty seamless with it so um, and it's, it's it's exciting to be with this group because they're so freaking talented it's uh, it's an absolute gift yeah, I mean we're content I mean uh, we wanted seven I mean seven would would have been uh, or nine would have been the perfect start but what, what we've learned is, is this is CONCACAF we, we had to have that Honduras learning in the first 45 to to feel the intensity when these teams are putting everything on the line and they are there's no doubt about that you, you can feel it no one's going to lie down or back down at any moment so that that was a, a great experience for us and we needed it, and I'll say, given what I've seen from the results, there hasn't been too many goals separating teams. So to take three goals tonight and um, an away result against the US, and you know, to get the draw at home, that wasn't what we wanted, but we would take it, given, given what we've learned. So five points, I think, maybe puts us close to second place, and we just got to grow every game. And every game is going to be another battle. And it's a, I don't know, how many we got left? 12, 13, 11, I don't know. I can't even remember. 11 games of, of a massive war to get us there. That's, that's what we're in. 
So some post-game thoughts there from John Herdman. Just before we kind of move on from the, from that game, the, the crowd for it was just under the, the 15,000 that, that was allowed. Mm. I spoke to somebody, my, my good friend Rose that was there, and she said it was such an amazing atmosphere. It was just fantastic. And it came across on the TV. I thought, I thought it was a great atmosphere. Toronto did the team proud. But there was an awful lot of away blue. fans. <laughs> yes, there was a lot of blue there. And as Canada got off the bus to head into the stadium, they got booed. Wow. And we'll play some audio in a bit, but that pissed the players off so much to be booed in your home country. Now, I'll say this straight off. If you're El Salvadorian, I don't expect you to support Canada before your own country. If Scotland plays Canada, I'm supporting Scotland every single time. So I've no issue with that. I've no issue with fans going, buying tickets and going to cheer on El Salvador. If it was Scotland, I would do the same. What my issue is, is there's got to be some mechanisms in place to to not to make sure it's Canadian fans that are buying the tickets. And that El Salvador fans are in a small section. Yeah, this I mean, this is a big obviously been a big discussion on the social media yeah. this week. Uh, and uh, the CSA needs to take some responsibility because they can do a better job at controlling things. We've even seen at, and not to get into the uh, what stadium should they play at conversation, um, but they, they, we have seen at BC Place them segregate supporters of, mm-hmm. of opposing nations really well. Um, one of the problems is with the whole bus situation is at BMO Field, there's no, there's, I don't think there's a way. Like, I've been there. I know where the bus goes. I know where everything is at the back there of the stadium. I don't know that there's a way without them quartering off a bigger section for them to stop people from coming to where the buses come, which is maybe something they should look at doing. On the other, on the other yeah. hand, in in the one instance, I think it was actually probably spurred our players on to well, piss yeah. them off. That's, that's what they've basically said. So in, in that regard, I guess it back, backfired on them. And they did, the, the crowd in Toronto ended up quieting the El Salvador fans, yeah. helped by those early goals. But yeah, I mean, that probably did fire them up a little bit. I, I, I don't know what the answer is because, yeah, I'm saying CSA should do something. But ultimately... You can't profile somebody because of their name and think, oh, it might be an El Salvador fan. We won't sell him tickets. Well, I think I think we should get if this if this helped them win this game three 0 I say get some voyagers, dress them up in in American, you know, start friendly, yeah, start booing the team as they come off the bus in future games, and then throw bags of piss at them. Yeah, change back into Canada, then go back to the stadium. I say go for it every game now. Yeah, I, I see. I don't, I don't know if it's a replicable kind of thing, Steve. But but Michael, I, I think the simple thing is I don't, as far as I know for this game, I don't think the CSA had actual way an away supporter section, right? Like if you're if you're if you're in El Salvadorian, you're just trying to get tickets to the game, or maybe where you want them in the stadium or whatever. It should be, and I don't, and maybe they did stuff. So I apologize if they did, but it should be when you go to buy the tickets, it says. Are you a Canada supporter? Are you an El Salvador supporter? There should be like links to go to what what you know whatever. Uh, that that like that's to me how it, how it should how it should mm. be. 
Uh, I know the CSA also like needs to and wants to sell all the tickets they can. Yeah, because so, if, if they didn't care about that, they could easily have just said no away supporters. And if you turn yeah, but, away but, colors, you don't get let in. Yeah, but that that would create different issues, and people would. Oh, go yeah, in, it, it, go there's in already created issues in Scotland yeah. because Rangers wouldn't sell tickets to Celtic fans for their last game, and then Celtic's doing it back, and it's yeah, all and, been and a you big... go with a red shirt, Michael, and you just take it off, and you like there's yeah, it's, it's not the easiest. I mean, that's not the most foolproof plan, but I think it yeah, starts. Zach, with... we don't need a visual. You don't need to like yeah. perform it. <laughs> it starts. It nice, starts. Li- with... Nice nipster. This is the shirt you got me. Oh. Um, it starts with uh, it starts with I think it starts with having an actual designated away supporter section, which I think is a positive thing. You want the away supporters yeah. together. You want there to be a, a sort of a back and a forth. You want right. to let them be loud and drown them out. Like yeah. if- and if the games oh. in Montreal, you want to know where the ultras can find them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'll never. I mean. I mean, it's interesting that we're having this discussion because the discussion has has changed considerably. Like I remember in two thousand, around two thousand eight ish, you know, coming out of the coming out of the march with with the voyageurs or going to the stadium, getting to Stad Saputo, and the it's a you're 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 the minority in a sea of blue, yeah. and it's like it's crazy and confrontational and yeah, crazy stuff happening. You know, like it, so I know it's not where it needs to be. But we also, I think, need to look back and say, hey, we've made progress. And like you said, Michael, I think kudos to, you know, Jamie and Rob and Kristen and all the people working with the Voyagers uh, to make things happen. The flag display was nice. I think there was all the reports I heard was of good, like, um, unified singing together. Yeah. Um, and the players love, you know, the, the I mean, I, I'm not a personal fan of it, but the, the actual chant itself, but the post-match celebration was loved and adored and. Just lots of encouraging things, right? They, they sang "Stand by Me," right? No, they <laughs> they did the Viking clap. So oh. just to just to be clear, AFTN does not endorse beating away supporters, but if it does happen, you know, whatever. Yeah, remember it's Football Violence Awareness Month, Steve. Exactly. No, I remember that. <laughs> but I love the fact that Milan Borgen just publicly just went yes. out and said, yeah. "I hate the fact that there was so like yeah it needs to be all red." He wants all red. And like yeah. that's talking a lot, it's that set me well, up nicely. Let's just hear a little that, that well the with the beatings you would get all red. Exactly. <laughs> the blue shirts would soon be red in no time. Moving quickly on, let's just hear some audio now from after the game. We'll hear from Atiba Hutchison and Milan Borian. Just you know, just going out on onto the streets. There's a lot more people showing interest and, and knowing what's going on, you know. I, I know. In the past, when we would be here, nobody would even know we, we had a game here, and that's a lot different now. So uh, it's it's very pleasing to see, um, and it's only the start of it. I think we have still a long way to go, but um, this is what we want to see here in this country. We want to see that interest and, and people backing us, and you know, uh, wearing the red jerseys in the stadiums when we come out here to play. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to see and. Uh, the better we do, the more they come out, and uh, we're just, you know, we're very grateful to see what's going on right now. And we just keep pushing it and, and hoping it will get bigger and bigger. It's something that we, you know, we we keep between us. You know, we're we're brothers here. You know, we we stay together. And uh, I told them this is their home. This is uh, this is that we uh, this is where we play. This is our home. And uh, you know, too many El Salvadorian fans came today. 
but uh, uh, that doesn't matter. That doesn't uh, that doesn't give this team, uh, you know, like uh, bad uh, bad things. They that gives us motivation, you know. And we had our fans were which were amazing. Uh, I want to say right now, thank you to all the fans that came, like Canadian fans. And we need more of this. We need Canada to wake up, you know, to support this team because this team can go a long way. World Cup is just right there. You know, we're one foot inside. You know, we just have to keep going like this. And uh, this stadium has to be full of red, not blue, green or whatever. It has to be red, all red, Canadian fans. Uh, we just have to continue like this. I mean, we just have to continue continue breaking records, continue playing very good, uh, continue winning and uh, bring Canada to the World Cup. You know, this is what Canada deserves, uh, especially these fans that came tonight. You know, this is this is Canada. This is new Canada. And uh, I would like to call every Canadian right now for the next game to come and support us to wear the red and come and just give us the support because we need that. We need that from you guys, especially when we play at home. We cannot have people... Uh, from different countries coming uh, to the stadium and wearing different shirts. We have to be Canadian. We have to be, be red. That's my message. So that was Atiba Hutchison and Milan Borjan there just giving their thoughts on the, the crowd and what they'd like to see ideally at these matches. M- M- Milan Borjan, I, I, I really appreciate um, him and his passion. I, I, we didn't talk about this, but it was really funny in the American game how they were booing him and he was kind of like calling them on kind of, kind of thing. And it's just like, you, you think, you think Milan Boran's affected by booze. Oh yeah. Like the dude has played in this, in, in yeah. like the Derby and with red, red star and partisan. Yeah, exactly. Right? He's probably like faced way dangerous things in chance. Right. I, I think it's because th- there's, there has been a few American keepers that's been affected by booze over the, the last few years. <laughs> we won't throw those names out there though. Anyway, again, moving swiftly on. So, I mean, the other midweek results. So, it was Panama 1, Mexico 1. Wow. And Blackburn opened the scoring for Panama. It was 1-0 at halftime before... Your boy, Zach, Jesus, he got a goal with 14 minutes to go. Jesus always scores. Yeah. Corona hitting Panama hard. Who'd have thought that happened? So, that was a 1-0 draw, which... Not ideal. I've stated I want Mexico to win every single game. Okay, hang on. one thing about that. Uh, I got up, I was texting with Slamo this week or, or around the games and stuff, and he mentioned to me something important about this, Michael. Okay. It, it might not be the best for Canada if Mexico walks it at the beginning because if they oh, do... they might rest? The end, yeah, at the end, they might rest players or put in different squads, and it's, oh. that has cost Canada in the past. And so oh, it, would, it would not, it might not be the most ideal if they totally run away with it, except mm. for against us. Okay, so that draw might be fantastic. <laughs> I mean, let, let's talk about Panama here because at, at one point in this game, they were on course to be sitting top of the table, cock a hoop. I think they've done what I expected Jamaica to do. Because I thought Jamaica would be the, the team that might be the surprise package here. And they're doing, it their, they're doing it of their own accord. Yes. I did not see Panama doing this. But they did have a strong qualifying campaign, obviously, like Canada did. But again, not quality opposition that they were coming up against. But they've been impressive so far. And it makes this match coming up in the next phase where Canada's hosting them 
on October 13th. Huge, potentially. Yeah. The, 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 again, it's a home game. It's a BMO. They have, we have to win. Like, there's, yeah. no, there's no two ways around that. We have to come out with three points. Now, talking to Jamaica, they came away with a 1-0 draw against Costa Rica. Costa Rica led this one at the half and finished 1-1. Now, I was speaking to a guy at work this week that had come in and he was Costa Rican. And so we're just chatting about football. He was delighted that I knew who Saprisa was because that was his team. And then we're talking about Kendall Waston and Christian Bolanius and CONCACAF qualifying and and everything like that. No, no Jordan Smith? I was just going to say no Jordan Smith. <laughs> Do you know, I said to him, we had another Costa Rican guy. I can't remember who it was. <laughs> That's who it was. Yeah. Oh. Yes. I can't believe you didn't remember that Costa Rican type name, Jordan Smith. Yeah. I obviously, <laughs> uh, I've like put him as many other players that we've signed in the last 10 years firmly out of my memory. But he feels Costa Rica is going to come good and they've had slow starts before in World Cup qualifying. He said, don't write them off yet. So I had. But the, this draw against Jamaica is good for Canada because if Costa Rica had held on to win this, it would have really given Costa Rica a big, big boost here. And then the Honduras-US game. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this quickly. And we'll start with Navid because obviously you are American now. Well, no. um, <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah. The but... mood at half time yeah. on Twitter from the American fans oh, was glorious. If, if, uh, if there was a way we could harness their tears oh. and, and use them during the, the forest fire season, Seriously. it would be so great. What I will say though, Navid, is I have to tip my invisible hat here to Greg Berhalter. Mm-hmm. In one in one regard, because he said after the game, the changes it huh? had got to halftime. I realised it wasn't working. Yeah, I learned from Canada where I didn't make changes and I made them at halftime. You pulled and them off they were, yeah, yeah, they were a different team in the second half. And Honduras could have had a couple of goals in the first, but in the end, US steamrolled them. What do you think of Berhalter? Interesting. It's it's difficult. I, I I still can't make up my mind on what this team is about. I I, I seriously I still think they can't deal with the pressure mm. in terms of everyone expecting them to go up and qualify. Um, well, I, I'd seen an article yeah. before their first game, okay. and I can't remember where it was or who it was about. But it was about a player and about how he was going to be one of the stars of the Qatar World Cup. Yeah, all and it's that like you haven't stuff. even played yeah. your first qualifying game. It's the whole American, I don't know if I should say it, arrogance. And oh, no, it is. Yeah, it's they ridiculous. are. It's ridiculous. I, I, I like that in a way because I feel if you've got that, you carry this air about you and that can, yeah. that can get you points sometimes. Exactly. But then when I, it goes tits up, it's like... exactly. But, but I, mean, I mean, credit it was a great to them. Second they, half performance. Exactly. Getting well, back, all... coming back. I mean, in that yeah. tough environment for mm. coming back, it's pretty. That's good. But yeah. And the thing is, is the it was uh, Ricardo Pepe that yeah. really yeah. turned yeah. it around yeah. from in that second half. Yeah. I, I I mentioned that they, I don't know why they didn't start him earlier. Oh yeah, I, I, I he agree. Yeah, scored a goal and set up two. He's the uh, informed guy. It's like, who cares how old he is? He's the yeah. guy that's actually scoring goals just now. So, yeah, I totally agree with Steve on that. Like, I know he was talking about last show, but like, 
when you talk about how do you rate Burhalter, well, it's like, well, he did the things he should have done yeah. in the first place. So I don't know if you can really say he's, you know, wise. You know what I mean? Like, he still doesn't, I mean, he has them in an okay spot, but it's not where no. they should be, right? And and the, and the, as much as we'll make fun of the tears of their fans, like, they do have something to be extremely frustrated about. Yeah. Oh, I mean, at half time, if he had not turned that around, I'm not sure he would have been in charge for the next three games. I was That's... actually just going to say that if yeah. I thought about it, if, if they lose this game, and I mean, it would be interesting to see what would happen. Definitely. I don't know who they who they go for in a situation like that either, because everyone else is at a club. It's like no one's going to leave a club saying MLS as you go into the running, well, apart from Freddie Juarez, obviously. But I guess you could kind of juggle it. But Bruce Arena could do both. Yeah, probably. He can, <laughs> he can it was do a odd. World Cup, MLS Cup double. So just before we move on from talking about the US, let's talk about Weston McKinney. What a bad boy. Billy Eilish would maybe sing a song about him. <laughs> yeah, sent home from the US camp for breaching team protocols, they initially said, and then it's like COVID protocols. And it seems not once, but at least twice, and maybe who knows how many things. And it's not the first time that he has got into trouble for such things, having had a house party when he was with Juventus and being suspended there. Now, we're not saying he had a house party, but the US media are basically reporting that he was out when he shouldn't have been out, and then he brought somebody into the team bubble, kind of keeping it in the family, perhaps, a a little bit, Zach. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, it was great for Canada. It was huge for Canada, both him and Gio Reyna not being able to play. But... um, it's so irresponsible. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think he. I mean, I don't know if he's just so young that he just doesn't get it. But like, I mean, this is. Can you imagine if for two times in a row, the U.S. were to miss the World Cup? Uh-huh. Like, like it would come back in part to this. Yeah. It would come back in part to dropping points at Canada at home, where their lynch, in my opinion, their linchpin in central midfield wasn't there. But then I saw American fans on Twitter criticizing Bearhalter for doing that and saying, "Oh, just ignore it." It's like, no, no, it's no. like you've got to set an example for this. <laughs> there was no excuses for doing something like that, and yeah. I think Greg Bearhalter, I mean, he did the right call. That's for sure. I mean, I mean even if he yeah. did it in normal times, it's bad enough. But you're doing it during yeah. a pandemic. Well, do you, well, you remember? You remember back in the day when Kakutamane was hot and young and stuff. Yes. He's a road game. And I'm a good sudden, footballer. Yeah, all of a sudden, there's a game, and he's not in the 18, an away game, and everyone's like, what's going on? It's because he was breaking the, the rules. He was showing up late to meetings and stuff, and it was like... Sliding they into people's DMs. Yeah, they could have they could have ignored it and said, oh, look, he's scoring goals for us or setting up goals for us, but you you can't in the, in a, no. in the team context because you lose the team. Like, if this was Canada and say it was someone like Alfonso Davies or Kyle Lard or Jonathan David, key guys, I'd I'd back them all the way to say, nope, you're getting sent home because you've done something so stupid. He has to learn by it. He has apologised, but he didn't learn from breaching the, the protocols with his club. So I'm sure he'll get called into the next squad because yeah. I think the pressure will be on Berhalter to do that. But he's surely got 
he's on a, a tight, tight leash now. Well, because well, didn't, I, didn't he like get suspended or like get removed from the team for the Canada game? Then he apologized and then he did it again. Is that? This? Oh, was that what it was? Uh, I thought it was all the same incident. One was oh, like okay. going out in the town, and, and then yeah. the second was bringing someone back. In, right. Well, but that, that was the. I'm same. trying not to say what folk are alleging out there, so you can Google it and see. I kind of understand. Like I know that I've heard his favorite song is by uh, "I Want to Rock" by Twisted Sister, but even then, uh, I I think that. You shouldn't you shouldn't be partying like that, and you should be able to handle it and keep it at home. There's yeah. plenty of movies you can rent on the hotel, you know, through their on demand and everything. If you're feeling lonely, so and then you have to have like like players like you know Christian Pulisic and and veteran leaders like that having to answer questions in interviews yeah. afterwards. I, I don't think the U.S. handled it very well. They should just have come out and said what it was. And then just said, we're drawing a line under it. We're not answering any questions on it. We've dealt with it. We move on. If it happens again, then we have to obviously deal with it further. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if it has any lasting effects. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that test comes back negative. <laughs> it was odd during these first 12 games that only like there were only five wins out of the yeah. 12 games. There are a lot of draws in there. Draws. Only Canada and Mexico were the only teams that won at home. Uh, uh, three of the wins were on the road. Boston, which is so that, a lot of, which is the U.S. The fact that U.S. won in Honduras is important for Can like Canada. Like Canada needs to get a point or three in Honduras. Like yeah, it, it's, it's, oh yeah, because like as funny as it would have been for Honduras to win that, it would have been terrible for Canada. Mm. Yeah. They're very yeah. capable of winning the road games in Honduras, um, Jamaica, and El Salvador. They, they are. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them, but they're very capable of getting wins out of those three games. I mean, if, when you look at the standings, like Mexico's got seven, Canada, US, Panama, all on five, Costa Rica's on four, Honduras... Costa Rica's on two. Oh, two, I can't remember right yeah. here. Uh, Costa Rica's two, Honduras two, El Salvador two, Jamaica one. I mean, it's too early, obviously, to write any of the teams off because you just need to have a couple of wins here, but... It's a nice gap that the top four has got over the bottom four just now. Costa Rica are the team you don't know. Can they turn it around? Are they going to to suddenly hit form like the guy I was talking to said? Can Panama keep up the, the start that they've had? From a Canadian point of view, the next set of games, Mexico away, Jamaica away, Panama at home. But I mean, those games, like it's October 7th, Mexico, October 10th, Jamaica, October 13th, Panama, a, a week of intense games. And it's something that John Herman talked about, like these guys, they, they play for the clubs and they maybe play twice a week at a push. Mm. They're not used to having this high intensity games with so much on the line, so close together. Because even in like Gold Cup qualifying or whatever, you've got bigger gaps in between. And there's usually a few kind of easy group games kind of thrown in the mix as well. Every single game that they play in the octagon, it's got so much at stake and there's so little room for error that the players really have to be switched on mentally. And it's also going to take a toll with their bodies physically, you'd have to think. And the thing is, is it, it's all depending on how they want to set up the roster. Do they want to go a little weaker against Mexico, knowing that it's very, even with a strong lineup, they have very little chance of 
picking up points or and then saving the two strongest lineups for Jamaica and, and Panama? I definitely would. Apart, or do you boot the strongest lineups on the ends and then go for the weaker, even though Jamaica is a game you could win on the road? I, I think you have to put your strongest team out for those last two games. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, yeah, you can take something from Mexico who haven't exactly looked fantastic, but they're going to be at home. They're going to have the crowd rolling them on. If they can get a point down there, huge. Oh, huge, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's a tricky one, right? Because the the time is so tight. It's six days, right? Yeah. Like it is. And so, yeah, I it's going to be interesting to see what Herman does. If we look at what he did here, yeah, you think exactly what you guys said. It'll be a... 1B lineup against Mexico and then the A 1A lineup for the next two games. And the good thing is they have got so much depth just now. Yeah. And it, it's kind of nice when you play that 1B one because if you're still close, you've got some great pieces on the bench. Yeah. Of course, it's all dependent on injuries and everything. And they lost Fonzie for this last game. What's the situation? Right well, now? No, it looks it, like he's fine, fine and he might be yeah. playing for Bayern at the weekend. Yeah. Which I Which I predicted. In yes. the last show that he was not that injured. Okay. But a caption is just a caption, Zach. A caption is a caption, Steve. Come yeah. on. Oh, I that caption I he like <laughs> I, I, like that caption I had more towards like Bayern or something like that. Like everybody should know that how important he is to Canada. Yeah. And if he thinks that somebody's doubting that, like he needs to look in the mirror. It was, it was and, good and also clear. he's gotta be careful about what he captions as well. Yeah. Because people take it out of context all yeah. over the oh, place. Oh, yeah. Anything on social media gets taken out of context. Which it was nice to see him clarify. Because yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think that that's it for our Canada shot. Anything else you guys want to add to that? I want to really see like what they can pull out in these next three games. That that will really... Because the, the two games... I think there's a two-game window after that. Yes. And, and, and that, again, that two-day window, that's the one where they have two home games. Yeah, um, Costa Rica and Mexico, four I, games apart. It's not been confirmed, but the first one looks like it's going to be in Edmonton because they can't have it at BC Place because of the Lions. Yeah, so I, think I don't know whether they both go there or whether we may get the second one here. Yeah, that, that'll that'll be interesting. Obviously, the American one in January looks like it has to be a BC Place, but see, it's all well and good saying, "Oh, we want to make it difficult. Let's play it in Nunavut or something like that." It's like, yeah, the, your Canadian guys aren't used to playing in Nunavut weather either. Right. Well, we'll talk about this maybe another time, Michael, yeah. but the, the answer is is what we've always said. It's what the players and yep. coaches want and think will help them the most. Yeah. That's where the games need to be. And if they say, look, we'd rather have Toronto for flying, fine. Yeah. Do that. Totally. I, it's Thanks annoying so. because we can't get to the games without jumping on a plane, which I really don't want to do at the moment. But yeah, if that's the players have to come first here, and whatever they want, that's what you do. But we're we're is, all, we're all saying six points from the October trifecta. Yeah, it has to be six. Yeah. Wow. With a with a, a push. for seven. Yeah, I want seven. Anything between four and seven would be good, on a sliding scale of yeah, excitement. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, four wouldn't be the end of the world if you can take a point from Jamaica. Nine, nine would like have Steve. nine. I'd be looking at the flights. Nine, oh, exactly. I was just gonna call Jeff and uh, yeah, book them. <laughs> then I'll have yeah. my, my then I'll have my ticket. Then Canada and Scotland will blow it in the last game, and I'll be stuck going to Qatar. 
At least I have a World Cup to watch, so there's that. But that is pretty much it for this episode of the show. But of course, we're going to finish with this week's Wavelength. And it's Football Violence Awareness Month. And we're going back to 1982 in this episode. To Dagenham in London. And a punk and oi band that were active in the early 80s. Split up for a while, got back together, still doing the occasional gig here and there. They're called The Ejected. And this is a song from their 1982 album, A Touch of Class. As a warning, there's a lot of swearing in this song, so if you have sensitive ears, I'd fast forward a few minutes to the end of the show. Although if you have sensitive ears, I'm not really sure why you're listening to this show in the first place. But this is the ejected and football song. Dagenham in London, The Ejected, from 1982, with Football Song. And we'll be back with another Football Violence Awareness Month song next episode. So that is it now for this week's show. 
Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online and any final thoughts or anything you've learned this week, Naveed. Well, people can find me at nmachinchi. Nothing specific that I learned this week, but um, next three games for Canada are going to be huge and even for the Caps after the Colorado game, I guess. So yep. next four games for both, there's going to be decisive. That's for sure. It should be interesting to see how it will end up. Exciting times. What about you, Zach? Yeah. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M, and all I'll say is Alele Rouge. Steve? Um, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecastBeat, and if you're oh, any, at any point you're going to share your login for any kind of feature, always do it allegedly. I'm, I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Subscribe, all that nonsense. And follow us on Instagram at AFT and Soccer. And what I learned tonight was I should probably eat dinner before going to evening matches. Because that then stopped me buying eight slices of pizza on the way home. <laughs> I only went in for two. And then I thought, I'll get my wife one. Oh, then we get her two. Oh, but I don't know what ones to get. I'll just get eight slices. Let's just fill the box. So we've got pizza all weekend. So it's going to be fun. But that is it for this week's show. We will be back next weekend as we look after what happened in Colorado. Fingers crossed it's three points. Until then, stay safe, take care, thanks for listening, and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.